Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, episode 14, which is entitled, Why? 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 Now, before I get into the reason why this episode is entitled, Why? Let me list off the National Food for the week. Today is March 21st, so today's National Food Day is Crunchy Taco Day. Tomorrow, March 22nd, is World Water Day, March 23rd, Chips and Dip Day, March 24th, Chocolate Covered Raisins. March 25th, International Waffle Day. March 26th, Nougat Day and Spinach Day. And March 27th, World Whiskey Day. Now, as for people that likes to drink, I am not, I am a guy that doesn't drink and I don't smoke. Um, But, hey, congratulations to you if you do drink. Congratulations. Um, Let me get into the reason why this episode is entitled Why. I have, a, I have a few questions on certain things, especially with the main overall topic of why are so many Asian Americans getting attacked like recently? But I'll break down to that whenever it's time for that. But let me list off the um, topics of what I'm going to be getting into. Why are Asian Americans going to be? Why are Asian Americans being attacked the way they are being attacked right now in America? Um, the whole killings in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys an update on the George Floyd uh, trial as it's hasn't took place yet, but they're still selecting jurors. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, why did the royal family did deny Archie a title. I kind of got a reason why they did. I dig a little bit of digging on it, and I was able to come up with a reason why they did. I'm going to be talking about why uh, Pierce Morgan is calling Gail Kim, Megan, and Harry's PR mouthpiece. I'm going to be giving you guys an update on some more uh, people being arrested for the Capitol riot. Um, I'm going to be giving you guys, um, one topic I'm going to be talking about is experts urge caution for COVID-19. Uh, another topic I'm going to be talking about is Matt James from the whole Bachelor, uh, debacle and why he needs a therapist and why I personally think that's funny for me in my own mind, but I, he might be going through some, but I'm just going to be stating that why I think it's funny. And I got a question. When can we forgive somebody over their actions of social media pastime? What I mean by that is how long can we hold somebody accountable for what they tweeted or what they posted on social media if they were a young person and now they're probably like somebody of age. So probably about a person that was probably 11 and now they're probably like 18. When do we do we ever forgive them for what they post or do we still just like cling on to that because people do change but i'll break getting to that more whenever i get into that topic but now let me get into my topic of why asian americans are getting attacked so much in america right now that's crazy to me how now recently asian americans americans are getting attacked it might have already been happening and it just was not covered as much as everything but now, I mean, it's just getting covered every time an Asian American is getting attacked or getting killed. 
it is getting covered so much frequently now. I never really paid things like that attention until it's like breaking, breaking. And this is like breaking, break, breaking, breaking style uh, situation with Asian Americans getting attacked. I, it's it's just weird to me because I'm usually used to they're they're not on my radar for people to be getting attacked. I'll say, okay, if you were to give me, if I were to give you a list of people that I have a thought of skin color or ethnicity that were going to get attacked today in America, I'll probably say, okay, off rip one, black people off top. I'm just going to be real with you because it's been in the media so much and after year after year. Second will probably be Mexican Americans or Latinos because, well, the whole border issue is still happening and people will constantly try to get some money over do they have a green card or not or are they illegal um my third one will probably be uh middle easterners and i'm sorry for saying it like that i, I don't know the cultural like name for people that come from india or saudi arabia over here to america so i'll say media middle easterners i'm sorry for it coming out that way let me just preference that and say that right there uh fourth would probably be a Somebody that's white, Asian Asian Americans I'll put last on the list because you don't really hear about Asian Americans getting like anything in the news, like nothing. The last thing that really like made the news of Asian American anything specific is like Eddie Wong doing like fresh off the boat, like something like that, or Kim uh Kim John the the actor slash doctor in Hollywood who's on uh television shows and movies if he's out there promoting that's the only time I hear about Asian Americans of anything but this is just weird hearing about Asian Americans like being targeted and killed is weird to me I don't know why it's happening but I'll get on with it um this is coming from uh hold on one minute this article is coming from New York Times and the title of it is Asian Americans are being attacked why are hate crimes so rare and I'm only going to read you guys like a couple paragraphs of this whole um, article. Um, on a cold evening last month, a Chinese man was walking home near Manhattan's Chinatown neighborhood when a stranger suddenly ran up behind him and plunged a knife into his back. For many Asian Americans, the stabbing was horrifying, but not surprising. It was widely seen as just the latest example of racially targeted violence against Asians during the pandemic. The announcement outraged Asian-American leaders in New York City. Many of them protested outside of Manhattan District Attorney's Office, demanding that the stabbing be prosecuted as a hate crime. They were tired of what they saw as racist assaults being overlooked by the authorities. Now, and I'm just skimming over certain things, and I'm getting you back to this uh, paragraph. That frustration erupted on a national scale this week after Robert... Aaron Long, a white man, was charged with fatally shooting eight people, including six women of Asian descent, at spas in the Atlanta area on Tuesday night. <laughs> and the next paragraph reads, Investigators said it was too early to determine a motive after Mr. Long's arrest. He denied harboring a racial bias and told officials that he carried out the shootings as a form of vengeance for his sexual addiction. Let me pause on this for a minute. How are you going to shoot at a spa place because you have a sexual addiction i know the running the long running joke and if you don't know this long running joke of spas is that when you go to a spa you go well as a man you'll hear about the spa giving you a happy ending at the end of it if you don't know what it is 
parents, I would rather, I would suggest you to Google that or talk that amongst each other. And children, do not look that up. Ask your parents and their parents will be able to break down what that is to you in a way that a parent would break it down to you. So let me preference that. If you don't know what a happy ending is, talk to your partner. Or if you are of age, talk to your partner, talk to your parents, or look it up on the internet. But if you're a small child that happened to listen to this podcast, one, please do not look it up. And two, ask your parents. And if they tell you, you don't worry about that, wait until you get older, and I'll talk to you about it, listen to them on this one. Just wait till you get older. Now, why are you going to shoot a spa because you have a sexual addiction? You can go to a, you can go talk to a therapist about this. You can go talk to, you can go to a rehab clinic. I mean, there's, you can go to little meetings to talk about your sexual addiction. What came over you to go over and start shooting up spas because you had a sexual addiction? It makes no sense to me at all. I'm, let me preference this. The man is 21. Okay, he might be a virgin, might not be a virgin, and he has a sexual addiction. Well, let me break this to you right now. I am 24 going on 25, okay? I'm a man. I have hormones in my body running rapid, especially when I was, what, 14? That's when it started really developing in my body, at least. I can't speak for every uh, man out here in the world, but I am still a virgin, and guess what? I don't have crazy tendencies to want to do something to somebody because of a sexual addiction or something. Dude, Get just do your business in your private section of your life and go about your day. You know, there's no need for you to try to shoot up a place or take somebody's life because you have an addiction to something. You go out, you seek help, and you get it done. There's no... There is no reason to be shooting up something because you have an addiction. It doesn't matter if you have a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any type of addiction. You can go out there and seek help. There's always help provided to you. And you can, there, it's just no way for life to be taken. Now, if you're going to take life, you have to do it because somebody took life from you, aka meaning somebody happened to kill your family. Now I can seek, now I can say that you can seeking vengeance will be the, appropriate measure of action to do because in human life we see that as righteousness or are you taking vengeance and that should be acceptable in human life in which personally if somebody were to kill one of my family members then i me killing that person that killed my family member i should be getting no jail cell no sentencing towards me because i took action and i did what was necessary to be done that is what, if you're going to kill somebody, you do that for that reason, because somebody killed your family member. But this isn't the case for that. You had a sexual addiction. You should have sought help for it. And that's about it, my man. But you went out here, and that's the, well, that's the claim that you gave. But I don't personally believe it. I just think that he probably had something else. But, um, yeah, he claimed a sexual addiction for killing Six Asian women. I, uh, I'm about to read you guys another uh, article I got. This is from Yahoo. And the title reads, Watch Whiteness Work. A white man kills six Asian women 
and a white cop says he had a bad day. Now, I'm going to be skimming through a couple paragraphs because it's kind of boring, so I'm going to get you to the actual parts where you need to understand and listen up on something. Um, right here. Just hours after 21-year-old Robert Long drove across Atlanta, stopping at Asian-owned spas and systematically killing the women of Asian descent in them, along with two white victims, a man and a woman, Captain Jay Baker of the Cherokee Sheriff's Office gave a press conference Wednesday, during which you might have thought that he might have thought he was Long's defense attorney. He understood the gravity of it, Barker said, describing the mass killer's feelings. He was pretty much fed up, kind of at the end of his rope, and yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is what he did. Excuse me while I try not to vomit out my disgust, outrage, and disbelief at this heinous statement from a law enforcement officer the morning after several people lost their lives at the hands of a maniac who unsurprisingly managed to be taken into police custody unscathed. Now that was from, now that part of the article was by the guy, was by the person that wrote the article. East Hannah Robinson, I'm sorry if I butchered the name, but you guys got the title, you guys can look up the title and read up the rest of it, but it's not, okay, you're a police officer, right? You get the information that you're supposed to get from a suspect, and in this case, it's a white suspect. Oh, what a shocker on that one. And he tells you that he apparently had a bad day. I would think you would leave that out of your uh, statement to the press because it doesn't look good on you and it doesn't look good on your department. Let me explain this right now. He, you guys captured him, right? And apparently he looked unscathed. In all his little photos, when you Google the man, you can see that he just is, he doesn't look like he has any bruises, anything, no nothing, no taser marks, no tear gas, no red face, no nothing to indicate that a police officer roughed him up, which police officers are never supposed to rough anybody up, but I'm about to hit you guys with this. Anytime somebody of another color, and I'm going to mention black because it happens every time with black individuals, we somehow either look roughed up or there will be video of us being roughed up and you saw you are able to see it as for as the public, you're able to see us being roughed up. Something about us in a mugshot will look not happy, not nothing. I mean, just... We don't look happy to be in the mugshot. First of all, we're never happy to be in the mugshot because it's a mugshot for God's sakes. But my thing is, he doesn't look like he has one mark, a red face, teary eyed, no nothing. If he's supposedly at the wits of his, if he's at the end of his rope, everything else, and he had a real bad day, I want to question this. Why didn't he kill himself then? Why did Robert Long not kill himself if he supposedly had a bad day? This brings me to really wonder, okay, what was his motive for this? Was he tired of getting rejected by a specific category of women? I'm just saying he went to Asian-owned spas. Now, that... In this whole deal, he went to about, I don't know, I'm checking now, how many spas did he go to? Thanks to Insider.com, I was able to get this information. He was, It was three spa shootings in the Atlanta area. Three of them, all caused by this man. 
So he went to three Asians specifically owned spas. You mean to tell me there's not a white owned spa over anywhere around in Atlanta? You mean to tell me there wasn't a black or Latino? Probably not any black or Latinos because let's be honest with the money that we do get. It's kind of we have to save it up to even get something like that. But I'm going off on a tangent here just a little bit. Oh, let me, that was a sidetrack. Let me get back on the main road here. He didn't go to a white or any other F uh, ethnicity owned spa and at least shoot that place up. And I'm not saying he should have shot it up. I'm just going off of what he has done. He went to Asian owned specific spas that were owned by Asian uh, race. So that leads me in my own brain and I question everything. So he must got turned down by Asian women. He, that might have been his one, like, not even going to say fetish, because that might be his one uh, standard of woman that he actually liked. He probably liked Asian uh, women. And he got rejected so many times by them that he got fed up. Matt mixed that with a sexual addiction he got fed up and started shooting up an Asian-owned spa where you know you'll get Asian or uh, people of that ethnicity roaming around that spa. There is no way this was not calculated. There was no way in the world this wasn't calculated. He went to three of them. Three of them. Now, I'm not sure they were all literally just like in a... Like, like one around this corner, drive down five miles along, another one down that way, or I don't, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just stating that it's weird how he was able to hit up three Asian-owned spas, specifically Asian-owned spas. And if he, and if this wasn't a hate crime, how did you just hit up three of Asian-owned spas? If it's idea wasn't for it to make it look like a hate crime. He should have hit up at least one white spa then. But he did not. He went to all Asian-owned spas. And this is going to be considered a hate crime. If this is not considered a hate crime, I don't know what are we... I don't, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing in America right now. Every company and every freaking thing is supposed to be leading the change from this and that from Black Lives Matter to now we're going to be focusing on uh, Asian Americans and everybody rallying around Asian Americans and we're trying to not even build the wall so people in Mexico that want to come to America come over to America which is happening for years we're tr we're trying to get change legitimate real change that you could actually see instead of it always being written down on a piece of paper and never really follow up on. We're really trying, we're really trying to make that type of change really happen. With this new crop of citizens out here pushing, not even say pushing the envelope, but really pushing their force onto the government to really make a change, like really do it. You're not going to sit here and constantly just put it in a paper and, okay, hand it off to every state. Okay, do this. And a state will, like, pussyfoot around it and not really do it. No, you're going to see people really, you're starting to see 
And we've been seeing it for a good hot minute now. People really putting their foot on the government and kicking them and be like, hey, yo, you said you're going to do it. Do it now. Do it now. And by the way, we still need water for Flint, Michigan, because I haven't heard nobody say nothing about that yet or just even make a big old news headline saying water in Flint, Michigan has been uh, recovered or we fixed it or some of that. I have not seen it because, boy, will we... We we pick up on the headlines whenever something is a big disaster and everything else, but we never ever follow up to see if they fix it or anything else. I'll do that somewhere down the line. But right now, my focus is right here on this. But I'm just making it as a side note for everybody that's listening. We haven't gotten any information about Flint, Michigan, and that happened a good that happened some time now. That happened a good couple of years ago. I'm just stating. We haven't heard nothing about Flint. We need to check up on that, see if that's being taken care of. And if not, we need to start putting our foot up in the government's butt on that to fix Flint. Get that taken care of. I'm just saying it's me, but let me get back on the main road again. I'm sorry for sidetracking. We are seeing change actually happen. We can't afford people to be out here and just constantly derail change. We're trying to get change to actually happen in America. We need change to happen in America. The whole Me Too whole thing was nothing but change. Getting nasty people, nasty men, nasty women out of positions of power where they've done nasty things to people. Without Me Too movement, guess what? We wouldn't have gotten certain people out of chair. Or out of their spots, those that that was one um, measurement of change that we've seen. Black lives matter. We've seen it for years. Black men and black women getting killed, and I mean killed by a police officer, and nothing happening. Nobody holding the truly to holding these police officers accountable. But now we're starting to see it actually happen on a more regular basis. That's what we're starting to see. But hey, this is just me talking here. You got people being homophobic. You're starting to see that happening. You got, I mean, everything from a one situation to another. We're starting to see people actually getting put out on front streets so everybody can chastise them, ask them why they haven't changed their view on something. Or we're trying to get to that place of understanding of why you're not, I'm not going to say conforming to what the media, or even um, everybody is conforming to. Because you know what? There's certain aspects of my life that I personally are just, I'm going to be steadfast in and just stand my ground in. But that all pertains to me. And what I basically stand stand in my uh, stubbornness is whenever, if it has nothing to pertain to me, I don't care personally. But if it's something that pertains to me, that's what I'm like, I'm holding my foot to the ground. I'm placing my feet in cement. There's no way you can get me out of my stance on this. But that's only if something has to affect me. But if it doesn't affect me, I personally don't care. As long as it's not affecting someone else that can do damage to somebody else. But with things of this parameter of Asian Americans getting attacked, black people getting killed, um people getting out of office for being a nasty nasty man and or woman people um still being homophobic 
and tr now transphobic. And all these instances, we're now really starting to see change. We're starting to see it. It wasn't out there like that in the 80s or even in the 90s or even in the early 2000s. It wasn't. With this new crop of people, with this new crop of citizens and even new crop of people in that are about to get in certain positions in a job aspect, we're going to really start seeing change come around because we are now entering a new era. And I'm going to say we're entering this new era with nothing but love in our hearts. But yes, there will be certain people that will have to be dragged, kicking and screaming into this new era. Because we can't carry old, destructive, dangerous things into this new era that's being built right now based off of respect, loving one another, really trying to care for each other, and that type of stuff where that's what this whole new and holding people accountable. That's what this whole new era is. We're trying to hold people accountable for what they did and and get them out or hold them accountable for what they did and teach them about, hey, oh, that wasn't right. Let me teach you how this wasn't right so you can be a better person so you won't do this again. And hopefully with that ingrained in somebody, they'll become a better person or even a better version of themselves and they can teach and pass along that information to somebody they used to think or that is thinking the exact same way that he used to think or she used to think that's what this new era has done and what we're stepping into so with this whole thing of asian americans now being attacked i don't understand it i want it to end i want everybody every person of every race to stop being attacked for something just because you're Asian or you're black or even if you're white being attacked by somebody because they're just mad because you're white and what your ancestors did in the past to a certain race and you had nothing to do with it and you might even be an ally to the minorities but to the minority you'll still just look white to them I'm just saying we all need to stop attacking one another and actually look at each other as being different and understand that we're different and embrace that differentness it's fine to do that. It's perfectly fine. What's not fine is you being a complete arrogant prick or even a dick and not jumping jumping along this new era that we're building for everyone. That is not acceptable. You have to jump along because guess what? If you don't evolve, you perish. It's called evolution. If you don't evolve, you will perish. And we are now entering the evolving stage of the human thinking and the human emotional process. We're now entering a new era. I'm not saying we're, there's not going to be hiccups along the way. Cancel culture is a hiccup that we have to get over. And that, will, and that will lead me to my last topic of today. But before I do hit into the wrestling portion of this episode, but I'll get to that in a later but cancel culture is a topic, is a little hurdle that we have to get over. There's certain things that you do need to cancel somebody over. There's certain things that you can look at like, okay, that wasn't canceled. That wasn't, that wasn't worth us trying to really rally behind and cancel somebody for that. There's, that is one hurdle that we actually have to get, get over so we can 
get anybody, get everybody into this new era that is being built. But that's uh, what I have to say for the Asian American uh, story and tragedies. Uh, rest in peace, those eight individuals that have been killed by this one man, one boy. And I don't, and he's not a man because when you're a man, you deal with your problems, you deal with it head on. And, and people might say, Gerald, he's he's a man considered under American in the, in the rest of the world, twenty one age. But no, his mindset is of a child. A child throws a tantrum. A child throws a fit when they can't get what they he what he or she wants, and that's what happened here. This was, and his excuse is, and I'm just gonna keep on saying this was his excuse. He has a sexual addiction, a.k.a. that he's sexually frustrated and he can't get it out one way or another. He was throwing a tantrum, but this tantrum happened to make people lose their lives with his tantrum. He had a gun and he went on a whole shooting spree, tantrum spree, killing individuals, which is never the right thing to do unless you're out there looking for vengeance. But even then, I don't. Want you guys to do that because that will lead on to a whole big old thing. If you can find it in yourself to forgive somebody but never forget, do that. But I'm just saying, if you gotta go for vengeance style, you go for vengeance style. That's just me. I I a sometimes it's okay to wake up and choose violence somebody that, on somebody that has done violence onto you. It's okay to do that, but just make sure you have self control in that mindset of violentness whenever you do it. But that's only when, and I have to preface this every time I make this type of statement, that's only when somebody has done violence unto you. And with this story, there was no violence that has been done unto him. He was the one doing the violence unto somebody, and he was unprovoked. This man, this boy, did not get provoked by anybody. It was his own personal demon and demons that was messing with himself that he couldn't get under control and that he should have gotten under control, that he could have looked for some therapy, some type of help, talk to somebody, go to some type of meeting, look it up. We got Google. We have the whole world in our hands with smartphones. You mean to tell me you couldn't have looked up sexual... Uh, 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 type of AA for sex addicts, uh, sex addicts anonymous, uh, sex addicts a uh, group meeting uh, center around a place that you live, a sex addict rehab. You mean to tell me you couldn't have done that with the whole world in your hands, which is called a smartphone, a cell phone. There's Android. There's uh Apple. There is um even google has their own cell phone for the love of god there's many cell phones out there with the internet and with the whole world in your hands that you couldn't have looked up places your first idea was to go out and start shooting up places because you were sexual because you have a sexual addiction because they were because in your mind these spas were tempted you with your sexual addiction. I don't, I will never ever understand that. I can have $20 and I just happen to buy food and somebody just happened to stab me in my side and they get arrested. He was tempting me with drugs by showing me off his $20. Uh, 
I saw a twenty dollar bill. I know that probably might be a poor analogy, but that's the only analogy and example that I'm thinking in my head right now. You guys probably could think of a more better example. But what I'm getting at is this man, this boy. I keep on saying man, but he is a boy. He should have had the wherewithal to go online and get some type of help and seek it and actually get this type of help. Terry Crews had a porn a porn addiction. He got help for that. Uh, Kirk Franklin had a porn addiction. He got done with that. There's other celebrities, but those two were at the top of my head that, uh, that were that were at the top of my mind. And there's probably been other celebrities that have had these type of addictions and gotten help with it. And this guy couldn't have done it. This boy couldn't have done it. He was, matter of fact, I got the perfect answer to that. He was too lazy to look it up. He was too lazy to look up places that could help him. So what he did was he bottled up all that sexual frustration that he had from getting rejected by different women, more likely Asian women, because there's no way you're not telling me you're going to an all-Asian shop and you're shooting it all up. You mean to tell me that was not your preference of choice? I'm just stating, because that's really awkward to me, if you mean to tell me this man's preference of choice wasn't Asian, and he went to all Asian spas, three of them, all Asian owned, I'm just stating. He was too lazy, he had too much sexual frustration up, bottled up, he got probably got rejected so many times, and he went out and started creating a whole big old tantrum that ended up causing eight people to lose their lives. Six of Asian religion, uh, not religion, but Asian or uh, ethnicity, and two white uh, ethnicity people. It's just weird to me. When you got the whole world in your hands, aka the cell phone, or even you got a laptop, something. You, there's something in everybody's household that has the internet, the whole world in it. You have, in every household, somebody... Somebody has the internet. Somebody has it. A device that has the internet on it. You mean to tell me that you couldn't have looked it up on the internet and even in in a private page on Google or even incognito? There's pay, there's ways you can go without being it on your history, on your on your devices. You mean to tell me he didn't do any of that? No. No, Gerald, he did not. He didn't do any of that because he was a complete coward. And I'm going to use that word strongly. This boy was a coward. It's okay to go and seek help. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. We all need help in our lives. We all need it. Sometimes I don't like asking for help, but boy, when I need it, I need help. And my people knows when I need help. They can look at me and say, Joe, you need help. And I say, no, no. Joe, you need help. And guess what? That makes me think about what I need help with. And that makes me even think about, okay, why did it say I need help? Now, and I ask them, okay, can you tell me why you say I need help? And they'll explain to me why. And I'll probably be able to break down, okay, that's not, I don't need help with that. I don't need help at all. But then there's sometimes I actually do need help and I actually ask for help. And sometimes they actually are right. And it's just something that I just don't ask for. You got to have the support system around you. And also, you got to be brave enough to want to get help and say, you know what? I need help. I need to look up a place that 
can help me and everything help me get through with this and this and that and such and such and look for an outlet to do it. This is my outlet. A podcast right here. This right here. What I'm doing right now is my outlet. It allows me to speak freely. I'm speaking freely towards everybody that's listening to me, to classmates that don't hear me on when I'm in class because well, we're in Zoom and classmates that probably wouldn't have even heard of me or what I sound like unless it's a presentation because I don't speak in class unless I have to answer a question or a teacher calls upon me. This would be, you wouldn't have even heard my voice, what I sound like, unless that type of situation, whether it be a project or a presentation or me or a teacher call me up for uh, to answer a question, even pre-pandemic time. This podcast has helped me personally explore my voice and get myself out there and be more comfortable speaking up in classrooms and speaking up in general out in public wise within my family they know me i don't hold my tongue i say what i say but out here in public in being a civilian and having to talk to other people this is helping me this podcast right here what i'm doing right now to you guys as the listeners this is helping me and I thank you for listening to my podcast. I really do thank you. But I'll say more thanks for that after the episodes. I do every episode. He should look for an outlet to get himself better. He should have played video games. Or he should have gotten a job where he talks to people. Or he should have looked for um, a certain activity to do. Or... Talk to friends or family or, or, like I said before, his first thing he should have did was go and get help. But he didn't do that. He threw a tantrum, which this tantrum happened to make people lose their lives. And I want to say that is a horrible, horrible thing. It's never good for that. It's never good to for people to die of a senseless uh, situation. It's horrible when anybody dies. It's horrible when anybody dies. But this is just makes it icing on top of the cake of whenever somebody dies because they died over nothing. Over somebody else's actions. Whenever you can't control somebody else's actions and they do something despicable, you look at you oh my god. You look at that person that caused this action towards you that make you feel so much pain, you look at them and you question, okay, why did you do this? Why? That's the big overarching question. Why? Why couldn't you have gotten some help? Why did you do this? Why did you grab the gun? Why did you go out into the car and start driving so and drive? Why didn't you go look up a place? Just the big overarching question of is why? And that is the big overarching question for today for this. Why? Why are Asian Americans getting attacked? I don't know. I don't know why. This needs to be fixed. This needs to stop. And why did this boy create a big enough tantrum that he ended up killing eight people in the process of his big old tantrum spree, his big old killing spree. I don't know. I don't know any good answer for any of that. I don't. 
I wish that this never happened. I wish uh, that the families of this tragedy could find it within themselves to at least go on with the rest of their lives missing the loved ones that has been taken away from them because of this one boy's actions. I know it's going to be hard, but we but we got to push but you guys got to push through this one. And that's coming from a guy that's never have lost somebody to gun violence. Me personally, I haven't, but I, I'm just saying I wish everybody in this scenario good well, good good I wish for you guys to Go through the rest of your life just trying to, trying to uh, overcome this. You guys are going to overcome this. You guys are going to figure out a way to get this under control. Your emotions under control. I'm not gonna say you're going to forget this because it will never be a forgettable situation. And I'm never gonna say you're gonna forgive this guy, this boy. I'm never gonna say you're gonna forgive him. You have to place it in your head. Okay, this is what happened. Let me figure out a way how I can get over this or get through this and constantly keep pushing. So I wish everybody in the scenario uh, good luck. And I know you guys are going you guys are going on a tough road right now. And the only thing I could give you is I wish you guys good luck. And if you know anybody that might have some type of I'm not going to say deficiency because it's not a deficiency. If you know somebody that has some type of addiction, get them help. Be their safe space for them. Be their safe haven for them. Have them talk to you if they can't talk to nobody else. Be there for them. Let them know, hey, I'm here for you. If you need to talk to somebody, I'm here for you type of deal. Just be around that person because you know what? It's hard for people to ask for help. And it was probably hard for this boy to ask for help, but he should have asked for help. And not everybody's going to be asking for help, but you got to be around them so nothing like this will ever happen again. Be around somebody that you know might need help. And also, this is also another thing that's an underlying type of deal. What happened, Gerald, if he looked normal, sounded normal, was all happy, but just underneath had that problem, but nobody ever knew? You know what, just... I would say, you know what, just talk to everybody and just maintain that peaceful uh, energy to everybody. That's my only act. That's my only uh, notion and answer to that. Be kind and be positive towards him or her to anybody every day. That's the only thing you can do. You only control yourself. If you throw out positive energy and positive vibes towards people, there's no way somebody should look at you and say, you know what, I can't talk to this person. There's no way somebody sh should be able to look at you and say, he's going to judge me for, for for me feeling this way. If you're pulling putting out nothing but positive energy out there, positive stuff, people should be able to talk to you. And I know that's putting all the responsibility upon you. I'm sorry. But... The only thing you can do is put positive energy out there. Just continuously staying positive. I know it's hard out here, especially in this COVID era. And we're slowly seeping out of COVID. But we're still, you still have to maintain positive in this 
We have to continuously go forward with positive minds. We have to continuously push forward with positive thinking mode, uh, thinking ideas, thinking methods. If you got to send out uh, daily affirmations of positivity to people, do that. Do that to everybody in your contacts. Sure, some people in your contacts are going to say, don't send me that. Stop it. They might get tired of you and you might have to stop for a minute. But But then you know what? Stop for a minute. Stop for a good couple of days. And then just send them a daily positive <laughs> affirmation again after the fact. Because you know what? That person might say, stop sending me it. But then you know what? If you hit them out of the blue with a daily positive affirmation, that could just make their day. And they could say, you know what? They Their whole attitude could change off of that one affirmation that you gave them. Even though they say, stop sending it to me, they could just change. But anyway, I'm sorry for getting off on a whole big riff. Let me get back onto the main road here. I wish nothing but goodwill to the people that have lost uh, family members and loved ones in this tragic uh, killing spree of this one boy. I am sorry that this has happened to you guys. I really am. But um, I hope you find it within your heart to continuously to to push forward with your lives. It's not going to be easy. This is going to be a hard road. But know that you do have people around you that you could talk to and if not go to a AA meeting for people that probably have lost loved ones because everybody in this world has lost loved ones everybody has lost someone and within that meeting you could probably find someone that will connect with your story and you can make a connection off that you guys can be the wall of well positiveness or that person can just be your soundboard, your speaking wall that you can just speak to and they'll just hear everything. That's what I'm just trying to get to. I wish nothing but goodwill for these families that lost people in this shooting spree. And that's all I got for that topic, ladies and gentlemen. I wish nothing but the best for uh, them. Now, before I get into the George Floyd case, let me just list off a list of settlements paid to the families of black people killed at the hands of police officers. I found this uh, article on Yahoo News, and it's kind of, it interests me in, it, it's just interesting to me. I'm going to break down the reasons why after I list up list off these uh, payments. Recently, George Floyd, $27 million. Uh, the family has, is getting $27 million. Brianna Taylor's estate is getting $12 million. Uh, Tamir Rice's estate is getting $6 million. Uh, Philando Castile is getting $3 million. Michael Brown Jr., $1.5 million. Eric Gardner, $6 million. Laquan McDonald, $5 million. Walter Scott, $6.5 million. Freddie Gray was $6.4 million. Stefan Clerk, $2.4 million. Let me state this right now. You cannot constantly kill black people if by officers' hands, a.k.a. meaning the government, a.k.a. meaning your local uh, governments and your local officials, police a unit, they can't constantly kill black lives and just expect, okay, we're going to throw money at the family, but you police officers won't have to do no jail time. That's not how it's supposed to work. 
whenever you commit a crime of of, uh, extreme magnitude, you're supposed to go to jail. Why do you think jails are in place? For people to change about their lives and reflect upon why they are there. That's what jails are supposed to be there for. That's what jails are supposed to be. But that's not the case. More and more as time has progressed, jails have been filling itself up with black individuals, even white individuals, people of every color, every ethnicity, every religion is going in there. But whenever you don't see too many police officers go to jail, it's a rarity when you do see it. And in this case right now, with black people getting killed by police officers, it's always the thing of, okay, here's exactly how it usually goes. They look at the kid, they look at the footage, or somehow the footage gets leaked. And I'm using air quotes in the get leaked to the public here. And the officers get suspended or put on leave. Never fired. Never that. And or either they're no longer active duty, like driving around. They're now stuck to the desk duty doing paperwork while an investigation is happening. And usually with the investigation, we'll find out, well, we found no wrongdoing by the officer, blah, blah, blah. In this matter of black man, insert black man name or insert white woman, black, black woman name. In it, you will find we found no uh, wrongful doing of what they've done towards them. They follow everything by the book. N- no, I never will understand whatever. Then why in the hell is the police cam on them? Is it there so police officers won't be trying to catch a feel on a white woman? And they'll get suspended and get their hand slapped. Don't you do that by their officer buddy or their captain or the lieutenant? What what the hell is the cat what the hell is the police camp for? Whenever whenever things like this happen, Eric Gardner, I can't breathe. I didn't hear about one officer getting fired off of that or even going to jail. And all and it's and the man get put down and he's telling you, I can't breathe. On the damn concrete while he was getting choked out. He's telling you verbatim, I can't breathe. And you still are able to walk around the public freely. Not a damn day in jail. Not You're not even sniffing it. Sorry for using the D word. Sorry. I got passionate there. But that's what happens whenever you constantly see wrongful injustice constantly happen on a on a daily-to-day or instance-by-instance basis. Where is the justice? Where is the justice that people speak of? Where is this? Where? I don't see it. Justice is whenever people go to jail or people get put on death row. That's whenever justice has been done. Not constantly, okay, well, one of our officers killed you guys. Uh, They shouldn't have done it, so we're going to throw you guys some money. That's like, okay, here's here's a here's a little uh toy now get out of our face. We're not gonna we're not we're not matter of fact, here's exactly what it equivalents to me is. I have an ice cream cone, right? A big old nice ice cream cone. I'm walking and a bully 
Matter of fact, I'm not even. I go to an ice cream, uh, uh, ice cream like little guy a vendor comes around in his ice cream truck. There you go, an ice cream truck. There we go. Ice cream truck pulls around. I buy my ice cream, and I'm not even two or three steps away from that ice cream truck. And I get my ice cream straight up just snatched from me by a bully, and, and he straight up just shoves me and pulls me down and everything else. And his parent is right there. I and his parents sees everything, and they do nothing about their son's terrible way. They just uh, like throw their shoulders like, uh, and say to you, eh, you should be bigger. You got to be tougher than that. To the kid, he got his ice cream took it. And now, the you know what you know what the you know what happens. The ice cream truck guy says, "You know what? Here's here's the ice cream, and here's the ice cream to make up for that." No, that bully should have never took that kid's ice cream cone. The parents should have stopped that bully, or should have reprimanded that bully right there on the spot and say, "You know what? No, you don't do that," and start beating the devil out that child. I'm just even saying as an example, ladies and gentlemen. What that cat, what that cam is supposed to do for officers is whenever anything happens, it's supposed to let the people in the world know, hey, we did this by the book. We did this. There's no corruption. But time after time, you see corruption on the camera and there is still no type of justice towards us, towards people of color or towards anybody that gets like beat down on camera. There's no type of justice. There's always the whole investigation, which is bullcrap, because I don't understand it. Please, somebody, break it to me. They have cameras on these officers, seeing them do all these things, how they're killing these people. And you mean to tell me the police department can't outright and say, hey, yo, we're going to charge him with this because he did this and it was wrong. It's human nature to say, Ayo, we screwed up. And we're going to take care of this problem right now. What is it with police officers saying, Ayo, we're gonna be uh we're gonna investigate this? And almost in every time with the investigation process, we found no wrongdoing. Uh officer such and such did uh, the protocol or well, he shouldn't have used the choking in the Freddie Gate, Freddie, uh, uh, not Freddie Gate, God, Eric Garner case situation. He shouldn't have used the choke. The choke was banned, but the officer just got like reprimanded to like some days on, like days not, like he got suspended without pay, I believe. And I didn't hear what I'm basically getting at is this. Whatever happened to that officer was not severe enough to make him actually go to jail. There was nothing as severe as that. Going to jail and actually paying for his crime of killing Eric Gardner. And I'm having a feeling we're going to have the exact same thing with this Derek Chauvin guy. So I'm kind of already getting a hint, especially with this article being thrown out here. Of Here's a list of settlements paid to the families of black people killed at the hands of police officers. Yet again, I found this at Yahoo, but this is coming from Insider. I have a feeling that we are just getting ramped up and they're basically trying to softly hit us and soften the blow whenever we find, whenever this guy is being released. I have a complete problem with that. 
I see that we're going to have some type of situation here where they're going to tell us, hey, yo, mm, uh, nah. Matter of fact, I'm about to read you guys something just as another update. This is coming from APnews.com, and it reads, the title is Judge Won't Move Trial in Floyd's Death. 13th juror picked, and I'm skimming down certain things so I won't bother it, so I won't bore you. Here's a pair. Here's one thing that did interest me. Seven jurors have been picked last week when the Minneapolis City Council announced it had uh, unanimously approved the massive payout to settle a civil rights lawsuit over Floyd's death. Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, subsequently sought to halt or move the trial, saying the settlement timing was deeply disturbing and jeopardized Chauvin's chance for a fair trial. Chauvin is charged with murder and manslaughter. But, uh, Cahill? Hold on one second. Sorry, the judge's name is Cahill. Cahill, who called the timing unfortunate, said he believed a delay would do nothing to stem the problem of pretrial publicity. In that, and that's there's no place in Minneapolis untouched by that publicity. The judge handed the defense a victory by ruling that the jury can't hear evidence from Floyd's 2019 arrest, but only information positively uh, pertaining to the cause of his death in 2020. He acknowledged several similarities between the two um, encounters, including that Floyd swallowed drugs after police confronted him. The judge previously said that earlier. Arrest could not be admitted, but he reconsidered after drugs were found in January. Found in January in a second search of the police SUV that the four officers attempted to put Floyd in last year. The defense argues that Floyd's drug drug use contributed to his death. Cahill said he allowed medical evidence of Floyd's physical uh, reactions such as his dangerously high blood pressure when he was examined by a paramedic in 2019 in a short clip of an officer's body cam video. He said Floyd's emotional behavior, such as calling out to his mother, wouldn't be admitted. Hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up. Let me read that again. Calhoun said he would allow medical evidence of Floyd's physical reactions, such as his dangerously high blood pressure, when he was examined by a paramedic in 2019 in a short clip of an officer's body cam video, he said Floyd's emotional behavior, such as calling out to his mother, wouldn't be admitted. How are you not going to do that? How, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you not throw that? How do you not put that in there? That showed humanity in this man calling out for somebody. How do you not permit that in a case? I understand. We're painting a... Derek Chauvin, in this case, is going to be painted out one way. And they're going to paint out George Floyd one way in this case. And for the life of me, how are you going to say, yo, we're not going to allow um him calling out his mom in a fit of emotion be allowed in court? How do you... How does that even... How does that work? How? How does that work? I'm sorry for flustering over my words of how. I'm just passionate about this because I didn't believe we were going to get justice. But boy, whenever I saw the slightest bit of justice just slowly coming down the aisle looking good in his so high abbreviated lightness. But 
you mean to tell me you're going to pull out something that brings out the human in Floyd of his him calling out to his mother? But we're not going to say that, though. We're not going to allow that. We're, we're not. We're not going to allow the... Oh, my God. Chauvin's going to be painted out one way. Floyd's going to be painted out one way. And I think to not allow the saying that he called out for his mother as he was dying, as he was being murdered in front of the entire world is something that I can never really truly understand. I will never I will never understand it. How do you not allow that in this in the court? See what I was saying before. Look back at it. Look back at what I was just saying. They're slowly softening the blow for if the jury does not allow. If jury, if this jury straight up just says, you know what, we're not gonna, uh, we're not uh, going to uh, press. We're not going to press on with this. We're not going to do it. We're not going. We're finding him not guilty. What? What? And, and let me read this to you guys. The county uh, medical examiner classified Floyd's death as a homicide in an initial summary that said he had a cardiopulmonary arrest while being restrained by police. Floyd was declared dead at a, a hospital 2.5 meters from where he was restrained. The full report said he died of a heart attack, complicating law enforcement subdual restraint and neck um, compression. A summary report listed uh, fentanyl intoxication and recent uh, meth methamphetamine use under use under other significant conditions, but not under cause of death. The earlier arrest lends more weight to the defense plan to argue that Floyd put his life in danger by swallowing drugs again, and that combined with his health problems caused his death. Said Ted. Uh, Samp Sell Jones, a professor at the Mitchell Hamlin State uh, School of Law. Jurors are not supposed to be influenced by that sort of thing, but they are human, the professor uh, said. Now, uh, boy, and, and it reads this. Floyd, who was black, was declared dead by May 25th after Chauvin, who was white, pressed his neck, knee on his neck for about nine minutes while he was handcuffed and pleading that he couldn't breathe. Floyd's death captured on a widely seen um, bystander's video set off weeks of sometimes violent protests across the country and led to a national reckoning on racial injustice. Here's a key thing I want you guys to listen to right here. I'm about to give you guys. The 13 jurors selected through Friday are split by race. Here's the split that they're saying is split. Seven are white, four are black, and two are multiracial, according to the court. How is that split? You have 12 on the, 12 is going to be on the seat. So, okay, so we're going to do this thing, and there's supposed to be 14 uh, picked, because there's always going to be two alternates for if one person got a, is either sick or something happens to them. So, right now, they have 13. They probably got to pick one more. So, right now, it's seven white, four black. And two multiracial. That doesn't seem split to me. Split is an even 50-50. Right now we got more white. 
on this matter of a white man putting his knee on a black man's neck. Now, if we were to have seven black, four white, and still the two multiracial, then I'll probably be like, okay, cool, we might see some type of fair justice, and there would be no complaint from me, from a black man, and I will say this, I don't think you will get a whole lot of complaints from the black community neither, if it was this whole juror was majority black, and you have some white and some uh, other ethnicity on this juror panel, you would get no hesitation, no anger out of us, somehow, if it was a no, if if, if this case was to be nine, would were to find him not guilty, you'll have anger, let's not get it twisted, you'll have anger, but we wouldn't be able to look at the jurors in a way, we wouldn't look at it, we'll look, we'll be more upset that he got off, because the video is there, and you have everything to put him under the cell, but this is going to be just a caveat if he doesn't go to jail. This is going to be another reason why he doesn't go to jail if he is found not guilty. And if he founds guilty in this case, which by God, America, you should want this man to be found guilty. You have video of him putting his knee on this man's neck and not giving two diddly doos about this man. You have all the evidence in the world at your disposal right here. But I digress. You, you will have us in the biggest fit of rage I think you guys have ever seen. Because everything is there. It is a slam dunk how this man is should be going to jail. There should be no case. There should be no trial. There should be nothing for this. This man should be going to jail off rip. But since we're going to have this trial, so be it. But boy, are you really trying to soften the blow of a not guilty verdict by this jury selection right here. Seven white, four black, and two multiracial. You're really trying to really soften that blow to the black community right now. It should have been flipped. It should have been seven black, four white, and two multiracials. That's what should have happened. But I'm still kind of caught up on the whole 50-50 deal. 50-50 usually means, or even even whenever they mention in this statement, in this thing right here, even is 50-50. That's seven whites, okay? That's half. Of the juries, half of the jury, okay, even the selection, that's half of it, that's white. So you got that 50% covered. But for black, we got four in multiracial two, and there's still that question mark of the alternative. Of oh, you haven't picked that race, uh, person of ethnicity, their race, for that fourth team slot. How... Is it, how is it even? Right now, if we were to put the multiracial right with the blacks, that is a seven to six. You're close to be even. You shouldn't say close to even. But no, you said even in this, in this, in this thing. So I'm going to take it as what it is. We can't call that even. So, because we still have to branch it off from that. Because you don't know who, what the multiracial, uh, person's beliefs are in this situ situation. We don't know what the white people's situation is. We don't know what the blacks' uh, idea situation is. We don't know what the multiracial person's 
situation is, but by going off of, on paper, right, it looks like not guilty for the win without digging into these people's backgrounds. I'm just saying, if you read it off paper, read it on paper, it actually it happening or two different things, but if you just read it on paper right now, it looks like we're going to get a non, we're going to get a not guilty. This is not acceptable. This is not acceptable at all. It should have been flipped. I don't understand it. Somebody please explain it to me. Put down, t tweet it to me. Email me. Do something. Please explain to me how this is going to be, how this is justice right now. How this, how this jury selection right here is a step towards justice. Just off paper standpoint. Just read it off paper. And I want everybody to switch the roles. If this was a black man in that done this to a white man, and it was a seven black, four white, and still the two multiracial on it, do you think it would be fair? Think about that for a minute. You could pause this and really think. And I'm not trying to be that guy that always, yeah, yeah, race. But this is a race situation right here. This is one. It's blatant in your face. This is a race thing. So, if it was the other way around, would we be crying? Would people be crying out not fair right now? Yes. People will be crying out not fair. This is not a fair selection pool. And right now, black people, we should be crying out this is not fair right now. I am. I'm telling you right now. I'm crying out. This is not fair. This is not a fair selection pool for us. Not at all. Not a bit. I don't like it. It should be the other way around. Seven black, four white for this. So I can at least rest at night and in my head without me banging my head against the wall so many times of how many ways they are going to screw us out of getting the rightful punishment that this guy, that this person deserves to get. Not guilty should never be on the table for him. It shouldn't be on the table at all. You have the, you have the video of him putting his knee on his neck. Now, if we go back to 2019 and he, if we're going to throw it up, fine. He swallowed some drug paraphernalia. He swallowed some drugs. I don't think those drugs killed him. In 2019. So if he were to gotten arrested again in 2020, the way that he did get arrested and put in handcuffs, and he were to swallow drugs, I don't think that killed him at all. I think what killed him was the police officer putting his knee on his neck and then him starting to freak out because he was losing oxygen. Let me break this to anybody. Have somebody put you in a chokehold, and I mean lock it in tightly and squeeze it on you. And you will start to feel, you will start trying to heave out for every possible breath that you can take. That's what losing breath is. I, and this is a personal story, free of charge for you. I was, I'm going to date myself probably around 10 years old, 9 years old. I had my, I wake up one morning, I couldn't breathe, right? I'm telling, I wake up, 
I told my mother and father they're about to get ready for work. I tell them, hey, I can't breathe. And I'm saying it so rad, so low. Like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. They think, my mom thinks, because at this time, I didn't like school then. And I would usually uh, say something like, uh, hey, I, I hurt my stomach hurts or something like that. Probably make up. I will make up some type of excuse not to go to school, right? And this time happened to be the case. I wasn't playing around. I was like, I was like, seriously, saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So my mom says, Gerald, you better not be playing. Don't be playing like that. Don't don't you dare. Oh, I can't. I, I'm serious. I can't breathe. So as my mother is driving me up to Florence Hospital, my mom is saying to me in the car, you better, you better not be playing around. Because, boy, I'm missing work right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. My mom is a caring mother. She, she'll do everything in the world for you. But do not play her for a sucker. Let me make that perfectly clear to you. Do not play her for a sucker. And I wasn't. So, as I am falling asleep in the car, my mom is tapping me. And she's saying, don't you start falling asleep. And I'm telling her, I see a light. But I'm telling her still raspy, I see a light. My mom said, ah, don't you dare go to sleep. Don't you dare. Just get up. Get up. Joe, don't do that. Walk, yeah, stay away from that light, boy. Stay away from that light. This is not me exaggerating this for just for, just for some type of story preference. No, ladies and gentlemen, I told my mom, I see a light. And my mom is shaking me and waking me, telling me, hey, yo, don't go to sleep. Stay away from that light. Stay up. Stay up. She pulls the window down, let the wind hit my face for me to stay up. And she's doing she's doing everything I can. So my, and my mom is driving big fast. Big demon fast to get me to the Florence Hospital. She gets me there. She tells the people, my son can't breathe. Next thing I know, I'm walking in there. They, you next thing you know, I'm getting behind me. A nurse is coming around with a wheelchair, popping me into the wheelchair, start riding me off into a house, into a room, and doctors are putting me on the bed, and they're starting to check. They're starting to go through. They're starting to quickly like put hands all over me, and... I am. I get a shot in my arm, and I notice the shot, and I don't like shots at that time, and I feel the thing. I'm like, ah! And all this and that, and then I get a face mask put on, not a face mask, but like an oxygen mask put on me, and they're giving, doing all this and that. Next thing I know, everything, I'm starting to get some oxygen into my, into my, into my body, and it's starting to come through, and they're doing all this and that. And within about a good 20 minutes, I'm stabilized, and they all leave out. The room is dark. My mom's on the outside of the room. And I don't know what they said to her or anything else. And I start breathing on the oxygen, and I'm breathing on the oxygen, and I'm just continuously just breathing it in. And my oxygen mask is getting tight on my face. And it gets so tight that I hear a pop go off. And I don't say nothing because you're a kid. I'm I'm a kid. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, still to this day, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm in an awkward situation, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm go off with my, I go off my best instincts. That's how I do things. But getting back to the story here, my the you hear I hear a pop go off. I hold the mask onto my face, and I'm just still holding. It. I'm still breathing in. Five minutes later, 
a doctor comes in, pops the light on, he checks on me, he asks me how how am I doing? I said I'm doing fine and now I'm actually I'm starting to get back to normalcy in this. And they wheel me off somewhere else, but they still keep the oxygen mask. They still keep the oxygen next to me. My mom give me my mom will they give they wheel me up to some to another part of the hospital, to another floor, and I sit there waiting and my mom's right there and uh, a doctor or a nurse rolls up. He was a guy that went to my church that I used to go to with my family, what we used to go to when I was a child. Getting back to it. Him and my mom are talking and I'm just there and I don't understand nothing yet. And my mom tells me, uh, your windpipes were closing in on you. And I say, excuse me. And, and at the time, I still don't, I didn't know what it was. And I still don't know to this day. But one thing I do know is this. Windpipes, you need your windpipes. Your windpipes can't be closing in because if your windpipe closing, there's no way oxygen can get into your body. And without oxygen, as we all know, we all die. So, my windpipes were closing in. They were so closed. Like, you make that pinch. Look how you... I want you to make a pinch with your hands right now. And make that. And you don't make the big pinch. You know how somebody said like a pinch of salt? That's how close my windpipes were to closing in. That far along. So, you guys hear me now to this day. I they my mom was able to get me there. If she didn't have got if she have gotten me there, I would I wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So the big overarching story is oxygen is needed because if you don't, you die. And with George Floyd's case, this Derek Chauvin guy, this dickhead, he put his knee on this man's neck and he was losing oxygen. He was flailing around like a fish because he was needing, he was trying to, with every last bit and body and everything within him to get oxygen into his body, into his lungs to try to make it out. And when he couldn't, he started calling out for his mother. I was lucky enough to have my mother with me at the hospital while my Flipping tonsils, not tonsils, but windpipes were closing in on me. But George Floyd didn't have that exact, he didn't have that, he didn't have that. His mom was already gone, dead and gone by this time, but he was calling out to his mother. Now, I don't know why that would never be permitted into this case. And it got me tearing up right now. Because I know how important when you call out for your mom, that is... Some stuff. You'll say help. Help. But when you start calling out for mom or even your parents, that takes it to a different level. That takes it to a completely different level, ladies and gentlemen. You're calling out for the ones that birthed you into this place that made you. You're calling out for them to somehow come out of nowhere to save you. And he didn't have that. And for them to not permit that into the court and to, to get off, to give that one important characteristic of human decency for George Floyd, I can never and will never understand it. You can give me all the books in the world to read. I'm talking off of basic human decency. You will never Get me to understand that. He was calling out for his mom. 
And now he's not here. His mom's not here. His daughter's growing up without her father. You have this guy going on trial, which is the craziest thing to me because we have everything in the book to slam him. But I digress again. Let me get off this topic. But the last thing we'll say about this, if he's not found guilty, America and people that are listening to me right now, I'm telling you, and I'm not wrong on this, I'm telling you as facts, and you can bet your last dollar. As a matter of fact, you can bet your stimulus check that came in that if we don't get a guilty verdict for this case, you haven't seen a riot happen. That capital little mess, that capital riot where they stormed a building, that's just one building. I guarantee you there's going to be a big outburst of injustice, a big protest, a big, big old looting of stores and everything happening. And you guys know it's going to happen. You guys know. You guys have that sixth sense too. That if he's not found guilty in this, I promise you, I guarantee you, you can bet your stimulus check on this. America hasn't seen none yet. That Rodney King thing, that was that was light work. If this doesn't get a guilty verdict, I promise you it's going to be different. I promise you it's going to be something. We're trying to step into this new era of love and compassion and holding people accountable. But let's not get it twisted. We'll take a couple steps back to show you how it's really done. How to tear up stuff really well. But I'm just saying, that's coming from Gerald Garrett. I could be wrong, but if you know what I know, you know I'm not wrong. You know it's coming if this guilty verdict isn't announced, which we should get a guilty verdict out of. But that's how I'm ending off of that topic right there. Now let me get into the palace uh, insisting that Archie was denied a title because it's royal protocol. Now, we all know with the Megan sit down with uh, Oprah, Megan and Harry sitting down with Oprah, Megan announced that Harry didn't get a uh, role because, well, it was part of the protocol. And it says right here, they didn't want him to be a prince or princess, which would be different from protocol, Megan said during the interview with Oprah. It was really hard. This went on for the last few months of our pregnancy where I'm going, hold on a second, how does that work? If he's not going to be prince, he needs to be safe. See, now, meanwhile, it was believed that Harry and Meghan had to opt to forgo a title on Archie's behalf. Um, uh, and he put in parentheses a move with uh, precedent within the royal family, the queen's daughter, Princess Anne, did so with her children, Zara Tidell and uh, Peter Phillips. Megan made it clear during the television tell-all that she and Harry very much wanted Archie to be titled, and for no reason then it would have, as they understood, guaranteed him security protection. Now, after doing a little bit of much, doing a little bit of research on it, I've looked it up, and this is coming from Metropolitan. Or and it's uh and it's the title of this called Harry and Meghan on Archie not getting the royal title and reading on a little bit farther it says in big bold Archie wasn't born a prince per the official rule royal rule book 
And it reads, it may seem strange that the 22-month-old wasn't born Prince Archie, despite being the seventh in line for the throne. But that's just the way the royal cookie crumbles. So, uh, letter, uh, letter patent issued by King George V in 1917 decrees that only the children and male-in-line grandchildren of the reigning monarch, plus the eldest son of the eldest son of the Prince of Wales, typically the heir apparent, will be called princes and princesses. Queen Elizabeth II issued a slight update to this proclamation in 2012 that extended the last part of George V's decree to include all the children of the Prince of Wales' oldest son. Under these rules of Archie's co cohort on the family tree, only Prince William and Kate Middleton's kids, George, Charlotte, and Louis, Louise, Either, is it Lewis or Lewis or Louise? Sorry for butchering the name. Concurrently use the his or her royal highness style. Once Prince Charles takes the throne, however, Archie and his little sister would be granted the title of prince and princess since they're since they'll be male in line grandchildren of the sovereign, unless, as Meghan and Harry hinted to, Oprah, Elizabeth, or Charles changes the rules before that can happen. Now, apparently, if that's in the rule book, Ayo, that's in the rule book, and I understand they wanted uh, that to change. I understand it completely. I really do. And yeah, that should change. That should definitely change. I would think that whenever you are a prince and then your kids, be when you have children, they should be the next, like, prince or princesses. And if I have a brother, like, I have brothers now, and they're, they have children, I would think they'll be prince and princesses. I mean, that... That just doesn't end until he comes with like a part like okay like if my uh, if I happen to like get a divorce and my uh, ex ex wife like has children they're not prince and princesses only mine and her children are prince and princesses they're just regular people that's whenever that should roll into place but hey man it's in the royal rule book if that's what it is that's what it is. But they should, they still should have security on every child if you're born into the royal family. Every child should have security. It doesn't make sense how they don't have security for Archie and that they didn't want to give Archie security. That's crazy to me, but I digress. It's in the rule book for him not to have the, the title unless they want to give it, unless they want to change up the rules. And Elizabeth, still in her breathing days, still changed that rule, but she hasn't. So it was all up to Prince Charles to change that rule. But even then, when Prince Charles does it, I mean, it won't even be necessary. Archie will be given a title. Archie will then be given a title. So right now, the ball's in Queen Elizabeth's uh, court to change that. Do I see that happening? Nah, not yet. Because if that was the case, my God, that would have been her first decree after uh, this whole thing we came out now on the pierce morgan lashing out at gail kim and megan markle well gail kim not gail kim gail king sorry gail kim's a professional wrestler sorry guy got my two gails mixed up here pierce morgan this come from yahoo.com uh, which is coming from entertainment uh pierce morgan lashes out at gail king calls her megan markle and Prince Harry pr mouthpiece the reason why he's saying this is because Gail King got information from Meghan Markle that Prince Harry did talk to Prince William and that they're not still, they're not good yet. They're still not uh, good yet, but they did at least speak. Now, do I think that's a problem with that? Do I think that Gail should be there speaking 
be speaking for them, why not? I have no problem with that at all. Because you have people in England that will talk to people in the royal family's work. Uh, somebody to give out, to give to um, somebody in the media some type of statement piece to say, hey, this is what our princess or this is what our prince, this is what the royal family deems right. This is what they have to say about this matter. And they will just roll about it. I have no problem with this happening. But this one, but at least with this, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. Let's be honest. Gail King, who's friends with Oprah, has a great streamline and a great direct line to talk to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry anytime she well wishes to invite uh, Vice Visa. And it goes the other way around, too. I was trying to say vice versa or versa vice. Either way, Meghan Markle can go talk to uh, Gail King and get her message out to the rest of the world. Just like the royals do whenever they talk to somebody that is usually on uh, royal uh, duties to give up to the um, to the media. I see no problem with this. Is just Pierce Morgan just being a complete prick again. I find it. I find nothing wrong with it. He's just upset now. But this did come off right here. But they did mention this in the article. On the show, uh, she confirmed that Prince Harry's initial conversation with his father, Prince Charles, and brother, Prince William, were not productive in the wake of the interview. That was Meghan Markle uh, saying that to Gail King, and Gail King did make this mention on CBS this morning, this week. Um, nope. She added, she, King did, King did that on the morning, but King later added on her Sirius XM show that the couple would have postponed the airing of their Oprah interview had Prince Philip, Harry's grandfather, who was in the hospital at the time, had died. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that interview was going to get pushed back if Harry, if their uh, father, if their grandfather would have passed. Let's be honest. Harry, Harry would have known. Harry has enough respect for his uh, grandmother for that. And people might say, how does Harry have respect for his grandmother if he had a tell-all? Listen, it's a tell-all. It's what happened there, or giving off their experience of what happened in that palace to them and to his wife. Is it wrong for him to do that? Not at all. Not at all. If I tell you about my experiences at Coastal Carolina, and if I happen to say something that was wrong about Coastal Carolina, and this and that, but I have a great worker, but if I say, hey, but the president's fine at Coastal Carolina... People would think, no, but you're smearing Coastal Carolina. But now how can you say Coastal Carolina is fine whenever... No, Coastal Carolina is trash, but their president is cool. See, people want to make the correlation. You can make two things. Two things can be true, even though one is wrong and one's right. Two things can be true, ladies and gentlemen. Pierce Morgan just happens to have a royal gripe about Megan. And if you listen to the last episode that I did play, well, my last episode that I recorded last week, which you can listen to again if you missed it, I mentioned that uh, Pierce Morgan has a personal uh, vendetta against Megan because, well, he liked her at one point, in it, and I played it in my last episode, and Pierce Morgan just happens to have a straight, a strong vendetta against her, and I'm going to read this to you, he tweeted this out. 
on, wait a minute, what day was it, what day was it, on a Wednesday this week, he tweeted out, hi Gail King, rather than acting as your Sussex friends PR mouthpiece to facilitate their ongoing public trashing of our royal family, how about doing your job as a journalist and ask them about all the lies they told in Oprah's interview, America should hear, and he put, capitalized, the, but he lowercase, truth. Listen, he should have capitalized everything the truth. I mean, that's just my first deal. If he wanted to make, like, a big subject, like, yay, we're going to, like, I want her to really say the truth about the royal family. My G, listen, dog. She has a pipeline. She has a direct line to them. She's going to straight up say what they tell her and the information, the information that she gives them, she's going to directly hit up CBS with it and tell them, I got this information because guess what? It will bring in ratings for CBS. And if it brings in ratings for CBS, it gives her a bigger pay raise. And if a bigger pay raise, that means guess what? She gets to stay on there for longer. That means she collects more money. And with that being a situation, especially with her being Oprah's best friend, she has a bigger and more longer lasting wealth of information, especially with Harry being there, so she can dig in more about how the royal family truly works with Harry and give CBS ratings. So, no, she's going to report on whatever they tell her, whatever information that they decide to give her. That's what happens. Pierce Morgan's just mad that he can't do that, that nobody in the royal family is coming out and talking to him because if let's play the role reverse. If Pierce Morgan was given a direct, direct call number that anytime he can call up Prince William and Kate Middleton, you think he wouldn't be spewing exactly what they're telling, what Harry's telling Gail? The exact, you think he wouldn't be spewing what William and Kate will be telling him to the world? You're a complete liar. And if you think he's not doing that, let me make this perfectly clear. If I was getting a phone call from President Joe Biden right now, and you were to tell me certain things that would happen, I'm going on this podcast letting y'all know, and I hope to God you guys spread that information out to the rest of the world. Because you want to know why? It spreads that information out, one. And two, it's going to build my name bigger, so hopefully I can get better deals, and hopefully, three, I get more money. So Gail is in a win-win situation. She has the information. She has a big wealth of knowledge. She's getting an opportunity to make more money with the information, especially because I don't think nobody else in CBS going to get that type of information that Gail's going to get since she's friends with Oprah for so long. Nobody gets that information. Nobody's going to get that information but Gail. So, I'll round it off with this. Pierce Morgan is a crybaby. Deal with it. Nan and boo-boo. Head stuck in doo-doo. Uh... That's my childish rant right there for him. There's nothing you can do about it, Pierce. If it was the other way around, you would be doing the exact same thing Gail King is doing. So, with that, too bad, so sad. Now, on to Proud Boys. Uh, <laughs> this is coming from New York Times. Uh, and it's off of Yahoo. Proud Boy leaders in four states are charged in capital riots. Now, I haven't been hearing about people being arrested more in the capital riots. You would think with all the facial recognition and with the FBI and the CIA having everybody's fingerprints and, quote, 
Not cool, but information to everybody right now. If you think the FBI and the CIA and the government don't have your name, don't have your address, don't have where you live, don't have your fingerprints or even your eye color, everything down to your pinky toe, style of information on you at a snap of a finger's whim, you're bugging. They have all the information. They have all of it. And if we're going to go, and I just want to detour off this a little bit. The reason why I believe Apple got into a whole lot of mess was with or Apple or Facebook, one or two. Either way, they're both private companies. The government wants all that information to them. They basically want to be the only game in town to have all that information. Think about it. The government has everything. Every little single thing. They have your flipping baby footprints in their computer database. Your footprint as a child, your handprint as a child, whenever you get registered in, whenever you get arrested, because I've never been arrested, but we see this every time on uh, films and television, when you get arrested and you get fingerprinted, why are they fingerprinting you? They know who you are. The court knows, not the court, but the government knows exactly who you are. I'm just saying they're fingerprinting you so they can look you up in their in their computer by the government style computer and get your name and your information and see if it matches up. I'm just saying that I just might be crazy. People might say, Joe, that's not how it works. I'm giving you my theory and my theory just might be right. To me right now, that theory is right. Until somebody proves me wrong, I'm going off of my theory. The government has everything it needs, but they were just upset that a private company like Apple or Facebook has that information and they just want to be the only game in town to have that style of information. But anyway, let me get back to this. It reads, FBI agents have arrested two organizers for the Proud Boys in Philadelphia, North Carolina, and prosecutors filed new charges against two other prominent members of the far-right group in Florida and Washington State as federal authorities continue their crackdown on its leadership ranks, three law enforcement uh, officer, officials said Wednesday. With a new conspiracy indictment, prosecutors have brought the charges against a total of 13 people identified in court papers as members of the Proud Boys. Federal investigators have described the group, which appeared in force in Washington January 6th as one of the chief investigators of the riot at the Capitol that left five people dead, including a Capitol police officers. The indictment uh, prosecutors accused Charles Donahoe Proud Boys leader from North Carolina and Zach Rilf, uh, president of the group's chapter in Philadelphia, conspiring to interfere with law enforcement officers at the Capitol and obstruct the certification of President Joe Biden's electoral win. Uh, let me, I'm not, I'm, uh, and it reads two other high ranking Proud Boys who were already facing similar charges, Ethan. Nordine of Auburn, Washington, and Joseph Biggs of Omen Beach, Florida, were also implemented as part of the conspiracy. Listen, I still don't get why, on God's green, people stormed the Capitol because your guy lost. I still, that will never, ever resonate in my mind. You could guys have done something else. Make, do something else, but you guys decided to storm a building and get killed and kill a couple people. I'm surprised some of them. I'm surprised some of the rioters didn't get killed themselves. But hey, we all know why. <laughs> we all know why. 
Um, I don't have much really to say about this. I'm just giving y'all more info. I'm just giving y'all, uh, keeping y'all update and keeping myself updated as I'm doing this. Of more people getting arrested for this Capitol riot business, which was stupid. God, this was so stupid. Do better next time. Do better, people. Do better. Come on now. Y'all don't have to storm up a place because your guy didn't win. Storm up a place if, uh, I don't know, somebody that was guilty is not found guilty. I'm just saying. That's a nice little head starter. Just saying. If you're going to do something of this magnitude. Just, just to say. Just saying. Um... What else do I want to talk about? Yes. Oh, yeah, right here. This is something that is a public, 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 public service announcement here. And the reason, the reason why I say public so many times is because, you know, this is serious. And it reads from Good Morning America. This is talking about experts urge caution as 15 states see uptick in COVID-19 infections. And the 15 states are Alaska, Connecticut, Delaware, Idaho, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Oregon, and West Virginia, according to an ABC News analyst of state data compiled by the Center of Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, several states, Delaware, Idaho, Minneapolis, uh, not Minneapolis, Minnesota, Nevada, Oregon, and West Virginia have seen their case averages increase by at least 25% in the last week. Oh, boy. Um, and they also, I'm, just, I'm not going to read everything. I'm just going to give you guys, like, big key points here. There are also are 18 states, Colorado, Hawaii, Indiana, uh, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Montana, New York, North Carolina, North Nebraska, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and Wyoming that are experiencing a plateau, not a decline, not a decline in daily case averages. What it's basically still saying is, ladies and gentlemen, we're still in the thick of this. Do not think just because we got the vaccine, we're out of this yet. Uh, we're still here. Do not play games with this COVID-19 business. For the love of God, do not play games. Don't think that just because, oh, I got the vaccine, I don't have to wear a mask. I can be out in, I can be out in the world. I can do this. I can do that. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, ladies and gentlemen of America, ladies and gentlemen of the whole entire world, whether you get the vaccine or you don't, and personally, hey, if you want to get the vaccine, do that. I'm never discouraging anybody from getting the vaccine here. You're never going to hear that on my Two Cents podcast presented by G2. You're never going to hear that on this podcast, me discouraging anybody getting the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. You're never going to hear me disparage any of that. Now, getting back to this, don't think that just because you got it, you're just going to be able to walk around here without a mask. I saw it like a couple days ago, like Monday or Tuesday on Twitter. There was a state somewhere, people were just getting all their face masks and throwing into a burning barrel. There's a video out there. Look it up. It's so crazy how people are doing that. But please, for the love of God, still wear your mask, still social distance from each other. Please, for the love of everything, please take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of the loved ones around you. If not, if you're not taking care of yourself, do it. Matter of fact, here's a better thing. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for the ones around you. Do it for the ones that you want to see out in the future later. Do it for them. If you don't care about yourself enough for you, care about yourself because of the people around you. Do that. Please. 
That's what I'm asking. That's what G2 is asking you. That's what Gerald Garrett is asking you. Please take care of yourself. In this time and age that we're still going through something right now, we still haven't gotten all the way out of it yet. We're close. I'm not saying we're close, close, but I can at least say we made a good couple steps forward to getting out of this. But please take care of yourself. Please get the vaccine. If you want to get the vaccine, please do not endanger anybody out here by just not wearing a mask and not so not uh keeping your distance away that you're supposed to. Please, for the love of God. And for whoever you might be, whoever might be your higher power. But even if you don't have a higher power, do it for yourself. Do it for your loved ones that you want to see. Do it for the people that you actually do want to see, that you used to see, before this whole pandemic thing came in and ruined everybody's plans. Take care of yourself. Wear the mask. Keep distance for the love of everything. Do that so we can all please please get done with this god are people tired of being on zoom calls god are people tired of being away from their having fun going out to a football game going out to a basketball game baseball game concerts jesus wrestling events for me personally wrestling events were my jam bro when i was able to go to a wrestling event, my dude even though they would come down here once in a while, like with Florence Seven Center for WWE, but with AEW just coming, just being a company, being around, and they were had a show in South Carolina. That I swear to God, I should have went to. But I digress. We all are trying to get back to going out and going to these events so we all can experience and be around each other the way that we used to be around each other. Do that for them and do that for yourself so you can go out and have a great blast whenever this whole pandemic thing ends or at least it subdues so much that we at least all feel comfortable with. You know what? We all have gotten this vaccine. This COVID mess has gotten down so much that it's like the flu that if somebody gets it, we have the medicine for it. We get it done. We can all go back to our everyday life before pandemic time so please take care of yourself do what's best for you do what's best for the people around you please and what that is i'll spell it out for you i'll say it to you step by step wear a mask keep your distance and wash your face wash your hands that shouldn't have that shouldn't be said but that kind of shocked me whenever they mentioned washing your face and washing your hands i kind of thought everybody had done that but hey i won't go on to that more of a tantrum you got the message, wash your face, wash your hands, wash uh, wash your body, keep your mask on your face, uh, keep your distance away from people, and let's all try to kill this thing off slowly, but fastly, but slowly, as we can. Basically, do what you can so you can say, I did what I can to make sure we all can get back to what we used to do. That's what I'm saying with that. Now, on to something that I personally find funny. And I'm going to break down the reason why I find this funny. The Bachelor, Matt James, says that he needs therapy after this whole uh, debacle. As you guys all know, and if you don't know, he ends up picking Rachel Kirk Cannell as his uh, love interest at the end of The Bachelor, which I personally never really cared about The Bachelor. But since this whole uh, situation happened, I happened to 
keep my ears to the internet on it. And people were not happy that he picked Rachel Crook and but you guys got to understand this thing was taped in advance before everything came out. So him picking Rachel Kirk and now, hey, that was just his personal choice. We shouldn't really bash the man for that. Um, but anyway, after he picked Rachel Kirk and now, he they happened to do a uh, final rose uh, special, and it's basically saying, okay, here's the contestants. Where are they now? What are the current status of Rachel and Matt? And Matt ends up announcing that him and Rachel are not together because once the video, once the photos came out, he had to break it off because he stated to her saying that you understand as I'm, I'm paraphrasing it right here. Hold up. No, 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 right here. Matter of fact, I'm not going to paraphrase it because it's right here. And the article that came from, let me get the article right, uh, Yahoo Entertainment. And the title of it is called Matt James Says He's Looking for a Therapist After the Bachelor Finale. So there you go if you want to read it. Yeah, I gave you guys the exact title where you could read it from. And I'm reading right here a paragraph from it. The most important, the most disappointing thing for me was having to explain to you why what I saw was problematic and why I was so upset. And that's why it was problematic, James said. When I questioned our relationship, it was in the context of you not fully understanding my blackness and what it means to be a black man in America. And what it and what it would mean for our kids when I saw those things that were floating around the internet. And it broke my heart because this is the last conversation I thought we'd be having. You know what? Whenever you go into inter interracial relationship, that's something that you don't think, but it's kind of like in the back of your mind. What does their parents, does their parents know that I'm not uh, their ethnicity? That's always something. That's always a question that will be floating around in your head in that relationship. Does their does his or her parent know what my ethnicity is? Did your loved one ever tell you, hey, yo, my parents kind of feel this type of way about a certain race or something? That always will play in the part with interracial relationships. Interracial relationships uh, have a have a have their own struggles in in it. So let me start off with that. So I want to take all that get all the real serious stuff out the way first. And from even Matt James to even come out here and, and say that he had to, that him and Rachel had that kind of conversation is kind of bold for him to say that. And, and for Rachel to sit there and even understand why he had to break up with her. And she's asking for people not to uh, go after Matt the way he's done, the way that people have been going after Matt. I'm just saying that's some that's some stuff to even come out on television and say, yo, we had that conversation. She doesn't uh me me having to explain me being a black man and what it will be if we had children, what it'd be like after me seeing those type of photos. Let me just get that perfectly out the way. That's I I applaud him and I applaud Rachel for those two even having that conversation for that. Let me make that perfectly clear before I get before I get my joke off here and before I really start having a like a little blast here. And I'm about to get on the blast here and laugh about because you need a therapist after this? Now, Rachel getting the hate and everything, getting all the hate type of tweets and everything else, I can say that Rachel will need a therapist. That's fine. That's fine to say that. If she would have said, I need a therapist for this. Okay, that's fine. I'll be like, okay. 
in my own head, I'm I'm a rational human being at the end of the day, okay? She got so much hate mail. She got so much this and that for over her past actions. And she's probably, she more than likely probably is a different person than when she once was. She might need a therapist, but Matt, yo, dog, why do you need a therapist for? Let's be honest. You picked her before, uh, area, before these photos came out. You picked her before this. Why are you needing a therapist because you picked her and now all these photos came out? Oh my God, did I pick a racist all this time? Did I? You are now dealing with subconscious thoughts. My man, just get over it, dog. Like, okay, yo, listen, I picked her. I never knew about this. I didn't know, but she has to go through her own things. That's why I can't be together with her. Yo, what? Why are you need a therapist, dog? That's not, I'm not understanding it. I'm not understanding. I just find it a little kick for me, a little funny for me, ladies and gentlemen, because when I read it, I had a nice little chuckle of, what do you need a therapist for? You picked somebody before the before it came out, and now you're not with her, okay? You can go back down the line and talk to her later after everything has been done, but what are you needing a therapist for? But that's just me. I could be completely wrong. Somebody gets to be telling me, Joe, that's, you're being insensitive. And if I am being insensitive, you guys, I'll tell you where you can tweet me. I'll tell you where you can leave. Matter of fact, whatever platform, whether you're listening to this to Apple Podcasts or on um, Podbeam right now, because I believe on Podbeam you can comment on, did you like this episode? And I believe on Apple Podcasts you leave a review. And please leave a review on both of these uh, networks that I am on. But... Tell me how I am wrong if I'm wrong in this stance of me finding this kind of hilarious a little bit. That he needs a therapist. How this right here doesn't need to be a therapy situation. You pick somebody, all right, cool. You found out about their past. All right, I broke up with you. All right, and now you can now you gonna wait a couple of year, couple months or a year down the line to see how she's dealing with this and blah blah. blah. I'm just saying, dog. You don't need a therapist with this. Just, just, just muster up and keep moving forward, my guy. You okay? You good? You all right? Now to my question of the, my, my big question. How long do we, as a society, hold on to somebody's past tweets or past posts on social media? How long do we really hold on to it? Do we ever allow somebody to grow or do we or do we never allow that person to grow or do we always just have to like pelt them with their past posts? Because I'm asking this question because of this one thing right here. It was right here from CNN.com. And I really didn't pay attention to it. Majority. I didn't really didn't pay attention to it until it really got to my uh, attention. It was about over Vogue teen Vogue. Uh, they apparently recently just hired uh, Alexi McCammond. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, but yeah, Team Vogue hired her to be her editor in chief. And this is from CNN.com. This reads uh, Alexi McCannon is out as editor in chief of Team Vogue even before officially starting. She and the magazine owner announced Thursday the announcement of her appointment to the job has sparked outrage from the publication staffers and readers as well as some celebrities because of anti Asian and homophobic tweets she posted a decade ago. A decade, ladies and gentlemen, that's 10 years ago. And she, uh, this is a 
this goes along, it reads, I've become a journalist to help lift the stories and voices of our most vulnerable communities. As a young woman of color, that's part of the reason I was so excited to lead the Teen Vogue team in our next chapter. McCammond tweeted, My past tweets have overshadowed the work I've done to highlight the people and issues that I care about. Issues that Teen Vogue has worked tirelessly to share with the world. And so, Conde Nast? I don't know that word. Okay. And I have decided to part ways. She should have said Teen Vogue. Jesus. I should not have tweeted what I did, and I have taken full responsibility for that. I look at my work and growth in the years since and have redoubled my commitment to growing in the years to come as a as both a person. Hold on, hold on, hold on. To Mike, let me read it again. I should have not have tweeted what I did, and I've taken full responsibility for that. I look at my work and growth in the years since, and have redoubled my commitment to growing in the years to come as both a person and as a professional. McCammon continued. I'm sorry for butchering the first time. I'm sorry for that. But let me get to my point here. She tweeted out some not nice things, anti-Asian and homophobic tweets a decade ago. Now, I don't have the tweets at hand, so you guys could probably say something, but I'm just going off of that. Um, but she's said that she's tweeted those a year, 10 years ago. Let me see how old she was. Hold on one second. She was born in 94, so right now she's about 26, going on 27, or is she already at her 27th birthday already? Either way, so do 10 years off of that, so that's about 16 or 17. Okay, so 16, 17, a decade ago, that was 2011. Twitter was still around. Twitter was still running, like, Twitter was, like, still technically type of new, so... Um, people were wild on Twitter. People were wild, wild on Twitter. It's got clean. It cleaned itself up more now than what it used to be on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, it's cleaned itself up um, than what it used to be. But back to my point here. She was 16, 17, 2011. And let's think about it. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, 16, 17. She knew better. She knew better because even at that time, people were coming out and we were turning, we were slowly turning the tide on people coming out, being gay, the whole public starting to accept them. Because right now, people coming out right now, that's a normal uh, occurrence. It still, it still takes courage to do it, to come out to whoever, to your loved ones, to tell them that you're gay, bisexual, you're trans. It still takes courage and a whole lot of... Uh, guts to do all those type of things let me not try to let me not try to say like oh my god it's so so it's like so like not nuanced anymore no 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 that's still a, that's still a thing people still take courage and uh it still takes a lot of courage to come out now and this still in this whole even in 2021 it still takes courage so let me just preference that right there now getting back to her she tweeted out when she's 16 17 people were still coming out but it was not like the way that it is now with people coming out. And um she was she was probably she she was probably different. She was she was different. By God, I am twenty God, what am I? I'm twenty four, about to be twenty five now. I'm so ten years from ten years from now I was fourteen, about to be fifteen. And I was I'm not gonna say I was I was never truly immature i had to grow i was always the sibling that took that looked at everything like 
from a safe caution. If all my siblings I always looked at everything as a safe caution type of deal, I'm not going to do this because if I do this, this can hurt me and going down, the, not even going down the line, but it's going to hurt me here. My chances of doing this or this and that. So I was never ever the guy that was like, oh, yeah, let's do this for the heck of it. No, 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 never that guy. And I always did have like I was always the guy that took people underneath my wing, a.k.a. I was the guy that was friends with people that nobody wanted to be friends with. I was the guy that if you are an outcast, I would bring you in and you would be with me and we so you would never ever be alone. I was that guy in school from elementary to middle to high school. So let me just make that there there. Um so I so I preference that to say that I always had people's emotions. I always knew people's emotions and how to really connect with people on emotion emotional base. So I'm not sure. Let me just state this right here. This was a decade ago. People grow in a decade. If you don't grow in a decade, I don't know what to say for you for that. But people do grow, and she apparently grew in a decade. It's ten years, ladies and gentlemen. Ten years right now. People might think that's a flash. That's like blinking your eyes and this 10 years, like, bang, it's going. But even within that flash of an eye, certain people are not the same people as once they were 10 years ago. Certain people grow and evolve. Certain people do not grow and evolve. As a matter of fact, certain people backtrack and double down more into their whatever they double down into that might not even be right. So how long do we hold somebody accountable for something that they tweeted out and they did all this and that. How long? I'm not to say. Now, for me personally, I don't I I don't know. If it was a homophobe let's put it like this, okay. If somebody made a gay tweet of saying they hate gays and all this and that, and then years later they come out to be gay, I can equip that and say, okay, he was he didn't know how to take he was trying to fit in with somebody that was around him or he didn't know how to take care, how to how to really focus in and hone in on him be, himself being gay. That's the type of thing. I'll be like, okay, I know how to put these things in a certain type of box. But with this, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Do we do we forgive her and let her move? Do should we have forgiven her and allow her to work in Team Vogue and let her actions speak up for her past actions? Let her present actions try to recover what she done in her past that has now been brought to light, or should we have done what we done now? People bring it out to light, fire her, have her fired as she is now, and now she has to deal with her repercussions that she did when she was sixteen and seventeen. I don't know. In certain instances, in certain instances, I say, yeah, but if it's like a five year gap, I mean, like, yeah, you can bring that stuff along. But God, ladies and gentlemen, this is 10 years, 10 years. I mean, we got to we hold certain things to death. I mean, if somebody were to kill my family, I'm going to make that perfectly clear. If somebody were to kill a family member of mine. I'm holding you to that fire for, for the rest of my day because you took somebody away from me. She didn't take nobody away from anybody here. She just tweeted out a couple of hateful things, and let me make this again, tweeting out anything wrong, saying anything wrong, you should be held responsible for it, should be, let me just make that clear, she is now being held responsible for it, which 
granted, which we should do. Whenever somebody does something wrong, we should do that. But I just think we should look at the time frame. I'm like, ooh, that was 10 years ago. Like, ooh, that was this and that. Like, okay, perfect example is the Rachel Quirky Now business. She did the photos at what time? Hold on one minute. Okay, Rachel Crickinell's photo came out in, well, she took the photo in 2018, and now it's 2021. So that's, by my quick, well, state of math, that is a good three years. So that's good to hold her by the fire on that. Okay, that's three years. We can hold her by the fire on that and do that. But yeah, somebody can change it three years, but boy, you can still hold her by the fire. Good in three years. You can, that's still within reason, what I'm getting at here. That's within reason to hold somebody for three for the three year mark by holding by the fire for something they did three years ago. You can hold somebody by the fire, but ten years, ten, a decade. I'm not so sure how much we can really hold them by the fire. The only way we can hold them by the fire of that is if their actions still aligned with their ten years, ten year old self. That's the only way I can say we can hold somebody truly accountable for that. But if they have changed and grew as a to become a better person and they understand how their past self was wrong in these instances, then I say we sometimes sometimes on a person to person base, we have to let their actions now try to recover, try to redeem them from their past actions. That is my thought. Let me know in the tweets or in the comments. And, like, tweet me out, give me something, some type of feedback, something, let me know about it. Because I'm genuinely intrigued. Do we, how long do you guys hold somebody by the fire if you see a tweet that they tweeted out, what, five years ago, six years ago, heck, even a year ago? A year ago, still close to the fire, but I'm talking about, like, let's throw it out. Like, okay, I say six years have passed. Do we bring that to the forefront now? Do we bring that to the forefront? Let me know. Let me know. Do we bring that up to the forefront and just kill them off? And just say, all right, bye. We got we to hold you to fire for what you did six years ago. Or do we like say, all right, we know what you did six years ago. Let's see if you, do you still feel that same way? And if they say yes, okay, we bring, we bring it to the forefront. We take care of it. We, you can't be hired here if you still feel that way. But if you don't feel that way, okay, fine. We're going to give you a couple of duties to see how you feel about it. And let's see if you really change from it. That's how I feel about it. But let me know um, with that. But that's all my uh, pinpoint topics I really want to talk about. Now, let me get into the wrestling of the week. Uh, wrestling highlights of the week. Nothing was truly important to happen in professional wrestling this week, but the only big thing that came out of like wrestling was like, this week were two things. One, and they're both from AEW. AEW comes on Wednesday night at eight o'clock on TNT. By the way, uh, the Pinnacle that is MJF, Wardlow, FTR, Tully Blanchard, and Sean Spears came together. They came out. Tully Brancher talked a little bit, but MGF basically took over the mic. He talked about how he uh, was conspiring around Chris Jericho's back. And now him and his group, now known as the Pinnacle, the top of the mountain, uh, they're the new guys in AEW. They're here to take what the inner circle owns. They took, they're took in their reputation from them. Now they're took in their locker room. They're going to try to take everything they can and also at the meantime be the top uh, dogs, the top bad guys, try to win every 
championship in AEW. That's their big main goal here. And the main event of AEW was a lights out anything goes match between Dr. Britt Baker, who is a real legit dentist uh, doctor, and Thunder Rosa. And they had a complete nice, good fashion brawl. The women were able to bleed. That's a rarity, ladies and gentlemen. And let me clear this up. The reason why I sounded that excited when I said the women were able to bleed was because the women in professional wrestling usually don't bleed. They don't. If they happen to bleed, it's sometimes out of their mouth because something happened. Like they bit their lip or something. But no, these women were bleeding. Britt Baker, Britt Baker sorry, was bleeding from her face and her face was covered in blood. And that is a complete rarity in professional wrestling. So congratulations to both uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. People on Twitter and social media were applauding their match. They were saying how good the match was. They were they did so well. And but I just want to give kudos to those two women. And if you don't, if you haven't seen it, just look it up on YouTube. It'll give you clip, uh, quick clips of their match on AEW Dynamite this past week. And, and if you want to look at professional, just look at professional wrestling, you have uh, Monday Night Raw, which happens on Monday night at 8 o'clock, and it's a three-hour program, so I'd rather you just probably, like, catch the YouTube clips. You have Tuesday Night Impact Wrestling, which is on Access Television. If you can't watch it, like I said, go to your, the uh, YouTube clips. Wednesday Night right now is two wrestling shows. NXT, NXT is under WWE's umbrella. And AEW, NXT is on 8 o'clock on USA Network, while AEW is on TNT at 8 o'clock. And then you have Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and they're on WWE, they're under the WWE umbrella too, and that's at 8 o'clock. So, um, if you want to check out professional wrestling, I just told you those lists of things, but there's also other professional wrestling out there, but those are like the big, prominent, big up ones. And speaking of, tonight is WWE Fastlane, which is on Peacock. And by the way, if, even if you don't like professional wrestling, let me just state this right now. Peacock is doing a, uh, I believe they're doing a promotion where you can sign up for Peacock right now and you're basically paying $2.50 for Peacock for four months, and they'll, and you, and it's like premium, Peacock premium, because that's where WWE is going on, uh, Peacock premium, I'll get into the gist of WWE's pay-per-view happening tonight at Fastlane, getting to my point, if you sign up for uh, Peacock right now, I believe you go Peacock premium, it's $2.50 for four months, well, not for four months, each month is $2.50, but that program lasts for four months, and altogether, you're basically paying 10 bucks. You're paying $10 for four months worth the Peacock Premium, and you can watch WWE pay-per-views from past and present uh, episodes of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and all their other programming, and plus, you get all the other Peacock, uh, whatever they offer on Peacock for Peacock Premium. I don't know. My mom will more than likely know. I'm just doing it because WWE is on it. So that's my big old plug for that. I'm not getting paid for that neither. By the way, Peacock, for the love of God, sponsor your boy. Um. Anyway, Fastlane tonight. I'm giving my predictions for Fastlane. Next week, I will let you know who won or didn't win. But here's my predictions. Tonight, it'll be Roman Reigns going against Daniel Bryan for the Universal title. I am predicting Roman Reigns to win. And Edge is, by the way, the enforcer for this match. Edge is the man that won the Royal Rumble match. So at WrestleMania, he's going against the winner of this match. 
So he has stuff in stake for this. The women tag team match is going to be Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, who are the women's champions, going against Sasha Banks, who is the SmackDown women's champion, and her challenger at WrestleMania, Bianca Belair. Those two will be teaming up to go against the tag team champions. I picked Shayna Baszler and uh, Nia Jax to beat Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair to follow along that little rivalry because those two just want to uh, one-up one another, so that will lead into a great match at WrestleMania. Big E will be defending his Intercontinental title against Apollo Crews. I see Big E beating Apollo Crews and retaining his Intercontinental title. Whether it be Apollo getting DQ, that'll still be a win for Big E. I still see Big E winning Intercontinental title. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. I see uh, Drew McIntyre beating Sheamus because Drew McIntyre will be going against Bobby Lashley, who is the WWE Champion at WrestleMania. This is going to give him some more momentum leading into that match. I see... And um, Randy Orton will be going against Alexa Bliss as an intergender match. I see this going to a, uh, if I have my betting chance, I see this going into a no contest. But since I'm going to be picking a winner here, I see Randy Orton beating Alexa Bliss somehow, some funky way of doing it, which is going to lead to The Fiend, which is a guy that Randy Orton has been feuding with for a past couple months, to them having a match at WrestleMania. And uh, um, and another match is Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. Seth Rollins hasn't had a match on WWE since the Royal Rumble. I don't see him losing at Fastlane, so I am picking uh, Seth Rollins to beat Shinsuke Nakamura. That is my predictions for uh, WWE Fastlane tonight on Peacock. Check it out if you can. It's only 10 bucks for four months. I would get it. Peacock. I mean, why not? Um, here's where you can reach me on social media. Twitter is at my two podcasts. But if you want to search it up, you put my two cents, the actual number two. Do not write out TWO. Put the actual number. Two cents podcast. All one word on Twitter. Instagram. All one word. My the actual number two. Yet again. Now don't write it out. The actual number two since podcast G2 on Instagram. And if you want to hit me up for any type of business inquiries, as in give me a sponsorship deal where I promote you on this platform, something like that. You want me to come out and talk to people, something of that nature. You can reach me at my2centspod at yahoo.com. I'll say it again. My2centspod at yahoo.com. Yet again, all these are the number two. Do not write T-W-O. Put the actual number two. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the, this podcast. This is not goodbye. This is until you hear this sweet sounding voice next week where I will be having a conversation with my mother. We'll be having a conversation about what? Who knows? I know. You don't. That's why next week, check into this podcast so you hear exactly what me and my mother will be talking about. And uh, yeah, we are all going keep going Keep pushing, keep going, and keep pushing. Ladies and gentlemen, we are still in a dark time. We have to keep moving forward. I know it's hard. For the love of God, I know it's hard. But there is a light at the end of this tunnel. You got to keep pushing. Don't give up. We're so close there. Just keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. For the love of everything, I love you guys. Keep pushing forward. Have a good week. See you guys next episode. I love you guys. I am 
out. This has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. I love you guys. Bye-bye. I love you. Until you hear from this sweet voice again, I am done. Peace. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.